This morning, our, our passage is from Matthew 28, verses 1 to 9. Matthew 28, 1 to 9. Easter Sunday. What a day. What a wonderful day. We spent the last uh, six weeks working through a sermon series we've called The Sounds of the Passion. And today, we close the series with the sound of the empty tomb, the sound of silence. Matthew 28, verses 1 to 9. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, and now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the day of grace. Lord, we thank you for your word, for your word is truth. God, I pray that you would speak through your word today, that you would perform the miracle that feeds our souls. We pray this in your name. Amen. In 1678, John Bunyan published what is regarded as one of the most significant works of religious English literature. His book has never been out of print and in some circles is regarded as the first novel written in English. The book is Pilgrim's Progress. Any of us familiar with with Pilgrim's Progress? Know the story, kind of? Have a bit of an idea as to what's going on there? Pilgrim's Progress is an allegory. It's, it's a story that mimics or explains real life. It's a story of a man named Christian who is living in the city of destruction. Christian is weighed down by a huge burden, which was really the knowledge of his sin, which he gained from reading a book, the Bible. So Christian's carrying around this weight, and it's, it's, it's ruining his life. And so he begins to search for ways to get rid of it, search for ways to relieve himself of this burden. And along comes a man named Evangelist, who directs him to the wicked gate for deliverance. Now, Christian tried to bring his family, his wife, and his kids with him, but they didn't share his burden. They didn't share his burden, and so... They stayed behind and he strikes out with a couple of other companions, with obstinate and pliable. And even though these companions leave his company shortly into his journey to the wicked gates, he he continues on himself. Now this is actually a a pretty awesome story. And if you have the opportunity, I'd 
I'd encourage you to read it. There's, there's actually a really awesome uh, illustrated book. It's called Dangerous Journey. It's the illustrated version of Pilgrim's Progress. Love it. It's fantastic. So if you have the opportunity, I'd, I'd encourage you to, to take a look at that, to read it. And Christian meets many people along the way. Mr. Worldly Wiseman, Mr. Legality, The Gatekeeper, Goodwill, etc. Many awesome and fairly accurate characters. I'm not going to go through the whole story, but for the purposes of, of the message today, I want to focus on what happens when Christian reaches the wicked gate. He continues on down the path of deliverance, and Christian finally reaches the place of deliverance, which is the cross of Calvary. And the bonds of his weight, his knowledge of his sin are undone. They break and the burden rolls down a hill and into an empty tomb. Christian was carrying around the weight of the knowledge of his sin. It was a burden that weighed on him that left him miserable, unable to eat, unable to sleep, unable to function in life. Do we have any burdens that are Affecting us this way? Do we have knowledge of sin that we are struggling to deal with? Knowledge of our sin that is affecting how we function, how we relate to others. You know, maybe it's deeply personal, something we couldn't imagine sharing with, with somebody else. Maybe it's sin, maybe that sin is, is related to our relationship with somebody else. Maybe we haven't been treated in a way that we feel like we should be treated so we feel offended or, or hurt by someone else. Maybe we are the ones who did the hurting. For each of us, the burden might be different. But whatever that burden may be, the question remains, are you carrying around a weight, a burden with you today? Have you told anyone about it? Have you told a friend? Have you told God? Are you living in fear or, uh, of someone knowing your burden? Are you living in fear that someone might find out about the weight that you have on your heart, on your shoulders? There's a, there's a story about a little boy who killed his grandmother's pet duck. She loved that pet duck, and he accidentally uh, hit the duck with a rock from his slingshot. Just outside, hanging out in the farm, pulls out the slingshot. Guess his aim was a little too good. Took out the duck, and the boy, he didn't think that anybody had seen what happened. He figured he was good. Looks around, you know, checks, doesn't, doesn't see anything. Can't see anybody witnessing him. And so he takes that duck, and he runs, and he buries it. Covers it up, done. I don't, I don't, gotta, I don't, know, I don't know how grandma's going to react when her pet duck's missing, but I didn't do it, so, so we're good. Nobody knows. All right. But now he's got this weight. He's got this knowledge of sin, and, and later the boy found out that despite his looking around and, and his, his very good vision, his sister had seen everything. 
And she now had leverage. She had the leverage of his secret. And she used it. Whenever it was the sister's turn to wash the dishes, take out the garbage, or wash the car, she would whisper in his ear, remember the duck. And then the little boy would do whatever his sister should have done. Whatever she wanted him to do. When we think of the weight that we carry around today, you know, maybe nobody else knows about it. Maybe your wife, your, your husband doesn't know. Maybe your brothers or sister or best friends don't know. Maybe nobody knows and you haven't told anybody. Because what will they think? How will it affect them? How, how will they use that? How, how will that knowledge, how will their knowledge affect you? But you know. And the enemy knows. And though you may not have a little sister blackmailing you into doing all of her chores, you do have a conscience that makes you feel guilty. You do have the enemy whispering in your ear telling you how terrible or how horrible a person you are and how what you have done is just so terrible, man, it might not even be forgivable. Are you struggling with a burden, with a weight of the knowledge of sin this morning? Moving back to the texts, as we look at this story in Matthew. The Marys, Mary and Mary, arrive at the tomb to tend to Jesus' body. And what do they find when they get there? That would have been, that would have been a bit of a sight. A bit of a wake-up call. Some of us need coffee. Some of us need an angel sitting on a rock. You know, this, the stone that was blocking the entrance to the tomb has been rolled away. And, and there's a man sitting on it with a face that looks like lightning and clothes as white as snow. Pure white. And while all of these things are pretty astounding, pretty awesome to behold, the important piece of information is that the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is not here. He is gone. This is why he was buried. The dead, the dead body came in here a couple days ago. I mean, this is where he was buried. The dead body came in here a couple days ago. But it's here no longer. He's gone. He's He's not here. The tomb is empty. What? How, what? How can this be? Did somebody come and like take the body? How is he no longer here? To which the angel continues his sentence. He has risen. He has risen just as he said. He is risen. He is risen. You know, I doubt the Marys had much of an inkling of what those three words mean. What they meant for them personally and, and what they mean for all the people in, in all of the world. They were excited. They hurried away from the tomb filled with joy, a little bit afraid, but, but filled with joy to go tell the disciples what they had been told, all that they had just witnessed. Their teacher was alive. Their friend was no longer dead. He was alive. 
And man, that's awesome. What a fantastic feeling. Of course they would want to run and tell their friends. Of course they would want to run and tell their families. This is a time to rejoice. A friend who was once dead was now alive. But it's so much more than that. When Jesus was on that cross, he was carrying the weight of the sin of the world. You think Christian had a weight on his shoulders? I mean, it's, it's pretty bulky. That's definitely a weight. Like He's, he's rocking that, that huge overgrown backpack. But you think he had a weight? That was just the knowledge of his own sin. Jesus was dealing with the weight of all of the sin, of all of the world, for all of time. And he took that to the cross where he surrendered his spirit. He allowed himself to die in our place. And as we confess in the Apostles' Creed, he took our punishment all the way to hell. He had to pay the full and total price for our sin. There could be no shortcuts. There could be no half measures. Jesus took all of it. He took all of it. He went through all of it. But the story doesn't end there. Though they laid his body in the tomb, the story doesn't end there. For though he suffered in ways that we cannot even imagine, he is still God. And he is still powerful. And death could not stop him. Our God rose from the grave. He has risen. And in his rising, he has conquered sin and death. He has paid the full and ultimate price and he has overcome. And in his overcoming, he has made the way for us. He has become the way for us. So that through faith in Jesus, we are united with him in his victory. Jesus became sin for us. That through his victory over sin, we would be saved through faith in him. He is our hope. He is our rock. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And we can only be reunited with the Father through Jesus Christ. We can only be reunited with the creator of the universe, the Father of lights, the living God, through faith in Jesus Christ. Through believing that he took all the sin of all the world on his shoulders and bore them to the cross. And through faith that he conquered sin and death and rose from the grave. That he left the tomb empty. Ever been in an, an empty room like, like in a big school or building? Like a gym? So you can't hear the traffic outside or the sounds of the outdoors because there's too much insulation. Ever walk into a big room like that when no one else is there? You can almost feel the silence. You can almost feel the silence. The empty tomb is silent. The empty tomb is silent. 
And the silence of the empty tomb represents the silence of God's condemnation on those who believe in Jesus. For those who are children of faith. For Christians, for those who through faith are united with Christ, there is no condemnation. There is silence. As we read earlier, From Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation for those who are united with Christ through faith. None. None. So you know that burden you've been carrying around? You know about it? No, the enemy knows about it. God knows about it too. And you can bring it to him. You can bring it to him. Now, I don't, I don't know where you are in your walk. You know, some of us may not be united with Christ through faith at this time. And, you know, you may not have that relationship. We may not be putting our faith in him. We may not believe that this story and his words are true. You may not believe in him, but he believes in you. He knows you and that you have the weight of the knowledge of sin. That means that he's working on you. Friend, the only way to be free of the burden is to give it to Christ. The only way to be relieved of the weight is to believe in him, to confess your sin and to be forgiven. You know, maybe, maybe you aren't ready for that yet. When you are, contact a Christian brother or sister. Contact me if you want. Or just have a talk with God. But man, it would be a privilege and an honor to be a part of making that introduction. God loves you. He had his son do all of this despite us. Despite whether we believe in him or not. That's how much he loves us. And for those of us who have a relationship with God, who believe, who are Christians. Man, we can bring our burdens to the cross. It's the only place to bring them. It's the only place to bring them. It doesn't matter what the burden is, how embarrassing it might be, how scary that might be, how frustrating that might be. You can bring it to him like Christian carrying the weight of the knowledge of his sin. You can bring that to the cross, to the place of deliverance, to Calvary. And let it roll off your back. Roll down the hill into the silence of God's condemnation. Jesus took all of that condemnation for us. He took all of it. We don't get to take any of it for ourselves. Though sometimes we may almost think that we want to. You know, there can be this sick satisfaction and wallowing in our own self-pity, hanging on to that burden. I deserve this. I should get to hold on to this a little longer. I deserve this. I earned it. (laughs) That's not our place. The price has been paid. We don't get to try to pay it again. Christ paid that price one time for all time. And just as God desires that we bring it before him, 
Or God just desires that we bring it before Him, that we confess our sins, that we confess our burden, our weight. He is faithful and just, and He will forgive us. And our little story about the boy who killed his grandmother's duck and was being blackmailed by his sister. You know, there's always a limit to that sort of thing. Eventually, you know, you can only do so many dishes, wash the car so many times before it's like, all right, it's, it's better to face the wrath than to have to do this one more time. And finally, this, this little boy had had it. And he went to his grandmother and with great fear, he confessed what he had done. And to his surprise, she hugged him and thanked him. She said, you know, I was standing at the kitchen sink and I saw the whole thing. I forgave you then. I was just wondering when you were going to get tired of your sister's blackmail and come to me. God knows the sin that we commit. He knows the burdens that we try to carry. He's just sitting there waiting for us to confess, to bring them before the cross and to hold us in his loving arms and tell us that he loves us, that we are forgiven, that he knew all along and that he has no condemnation for us. He spent it all on Jesus that he might spend all of his love and his grace on us. As you go home today, celebrate with family and friends this wonderful Easter occasion, this wonderful day. Remember that the silence of the empty tomb represents the silence of God's condemnation. Because Christ is risen, because he arose, because he defeated sin and death, and because we are united with him in faith, there is no condemnation. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. Amen. As we continue our, our service this morning.